Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. is up Dolphins and welcome into the Monday July the 15th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host Travis Wingfield and as always I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show we're talking about wide receivers. We're going to preview Miami's pass catchers ahead of training camp next week with a close look at Kenny Stills' deep downfield threat and how Ryan Fitzpatrick can help him recapture the title of deadliest deep threat in the National Football League. Plus, Jim Caldwell steps aside. We'll unpack the ramifications of that development, and we'll preview the Dallas Cowboys as part of our Know the Enemy series. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL, and the show is at LockedOnFins. Follow those accounts and get the Sunday podcast early ahead of time before Monday morning. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the wide receiver training camp guide preview up, as well as Kenny Stills' article breaking down his deep threat prowess. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have a busy Sunday show. Let's jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins And first down today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Now, this is the time of the offseason or the time of year where you begin to worry about things happening beyond the control of the football team, beyond the white lines. And while the health of these two individuals is far more important than any football game we'll play or watch, the Dolphins catch another bad break this summer as Jim Caldwell will now step aside for the 2019 season. The most experienced coach on the staff, Brian Flores' linchpin to his offensive staff, will step down from his role as the assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach and serve as a consultant this year while he focuses on getting healthy, which is the most important thing to reiterate once again. So get well soon, coach. You're going to be missed, and he will be missed. And look, A big reason why I'm so bullish on Brian Flores is because he was able to assemble a very, very impressive staff on paper. Those of you that have been with us the entire calendar year know that I was on the Chris Richard train from Dallas, but it became quite clear that Flores had a bit more pull with the names around the league that he was able to add to his coaching staff, like Jim Caldwell, who was supposed to help Flores transition into this new role and take on his first head coaching gig. And now his duties are going to be divvied up among the staff, and that starts with the newly promoted quarterbacks coach, formerly the assistant quarterbacks coach here in Miami, Jerry Shaplinski. Shaplinski has been coaching since 2000 when his time as a graduate assistant at John Carroll College. He then became the head coach of Trinity High School, continued in the coaching ranks, and then he moves to the Patriots in 2013 as an offensive assistant through 2015 before taking on the assistant QB coaching role in 2016 with the Patriots. Now, Josh McDaniels was the one that worked hand-in-hand with Tom Brady as well as Bill Belichick, but it was Jerry Shaplinski who was said to have the responsibility of 
of working with the other quarterbacks, open and close quote there, in New England. Think Jimmy Garoppolo, think Jacoby Brissett, and he's done well to develop the young quarterbacks behind Brady there in Foxborough, and that's the sticking point for Shaplinski's resume builder, so to speak. The hope here is that he does the same thing for Josh Rosen as he was able to do for Garoppolo and Brissett and get them into situations where they could excel and have some value as far as the rest of the league is concerned. Now, I don't expect him to act alone in terms of taking on all of Jim Caldwell's responsibilities. Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator, will certainly take on an expanded role as the OC, and he was always going to be a part of the weekly game plan meetings with Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen, whoever the starting quarterback is going to be. So I would expect a similar dynamic to continue with O'Shea, but he now will spend more time with the starter and Shaplinski will be the one that works with the other quarterbacks, the other cubes on the roster. Now, O'Shea's calling card in New England in addition to coordinating the Patriots' red zone packages, was working with the wide receivers. And that's where we pivot into our second topic on today's show for July 15th or 14th, depending on when you download the podcast, the Locked On Dolphins podcast here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're going to cover the entirety of the Dolphins' wide receiver depth chart on this show today. But we start with the piece currently up on LockedOnDolphins.com. I got an inkling to discuss Kenny Stills because he feels like the forgotten man in this offense. We all know the great stuff he does off the field, but despite the fact that he remains the best, most proven, and most polished receiver in the entire group, he's not talked about on the football field nearly enough. This piece is called, as he did for Deshaun Jackson, Ryan Fitzpatrick relaunches Kenny Stills, and the theme of the piece is centered around Kenny's elite downfield skill set. Not just elite, but the best in the business. In fact, you go back to 2013, Kenny became the most efficient deep receiver in the National Football League in his rookie season in New Orleans. And you can find a video thread in this column up on LOD.com showing his explosive plays from that 2013 season. That season where he ranked tops in football in average yards per target and touchdown rate on passes thrown 20 yards or more down the field, 24.3 yards per target, 35.7% of the targets he had that year went for touchdowns. He scored from 76, 69, 53, 42, and 32 yards out that year, plus a 67-yard non-scoring play in his NFL debut against the Buccaneers. He comes right back in 2014 with an absurd 64.3% catch rate on passes over 20 yards. 20-yard target downfield, he caught 64% of them, plus a 26.4 yards per target mark and a drop in touchdown production down to 14.3% of his catches going to pay dirt, but he still ranked first in catch rate and yards per target. And then the Saints, for some reason, I guess Brandon Cooks, decided to trade him to Miami and he became miscast in Bill Lazor's conservative, high-tempo, hurry-up, short-passing game type of offense. Then he comes right back in 2016 with Adam Gaze and House and Ryan Tannehill in that first year under Gaze, and eight of his nine touchdowns that year came from 24 yards or more away from the end zone. He caught 47.4% of his deep targets with a 42.1% touchdown rate. That was tops. 
in the National Football League. And then, of course, came the topsy-turvy quarterback situation in Miami. Jay Cutler, Matt Moore, David Fells, Tannehill with a post-shoulder injury, and, of course, Brock Osweiler. Stills has become a forgotten man in this offense, but the reason that I wanted to include Matt Moore in some of these videos is because of a similar style to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Gunslinging, anticipatory thrower that wants to take his shots down the field, and Stills had success with Moore both in 2016 and 2017, much in the way Ryan Fitzpatrick got more out of Deshaun Jackson than Jameis Winston ever did. These four videos in this thread, you guys are going to want to watch them. Very applicable comparisons between Jackson's game to Stills and how Fitzpatrick is the perfect man to revitalize the Stills' greatest weapon, his speed, but also the nuance for how to get himself vertical. He's smart enough to understand leverage, how to attack blind spots, and how to create space with subtle moves and fakes and exposing that leverage in the secondary. And I want to make an emphatic note here that Stills is so much more than just a deep threat. He's capable on hook ups against zone. He can run that quick slant inside. He can hit the speed out to the boundary. He can put a defender on his heels with a comeback route. Kenny Stills is criminally underrated and I understand the production that causes that underrating, but I fully believe he's in for a bounce back year this year as we begin looking at the wide receiver room, which brings us up to article number two on the LockedOnDolphins.com website, the wide receiver training camp guide. And we'll go ahead and start here with Kenny Stills before jumping in to the rest of the depth chart. Somehow, Stills is only 27 and a half years old on opening day this year. He's been in the league for six years, and he has two years left on his deal, totaling $15 million over two years, with $3 million of that guaranteed this year. He's going to be a starter. He's going to play 85-plus percentage of the offensive snaps. And when we come back, we are going to discuss the rest of the wide receiver room, project which of the five or maybe six makes the roster, and we're going to get you ready for and one day closer to training camp here in July on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. All of that next at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. It is Wide Receivers Day here on the Monday, July the 15th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You guys can find the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. It is part four of our 11-part series, taking a look at every single position group on this 2019 Miami Dolphins roster. And today we continue after the Kenny Stills extended discussion, we get right back into the Miami Dolphins receiver room with one of the multiple number two type options on this offense. You guys recall back earlier in the offseason, I charted Albert Wilson's receptions and targets and every single play that he played in 2018, his debut season with the Miami Dolphins. And I came to the conclusion that basically this guy is a star from the slot, from in tight splits, from the backfield as a running back contributor as well, just not so much from the outside. This is going to be his sixth year in the NFL, number two in Miami, a graduate of Georgia State College, and he's 27.1 years old on opening day. He's got two years left on the deal, 16.5 million bucks and seven and a half million of that is guaranteed. And look, he is just purely a slot receiver who struggles against outside press man coverage. And you can avoid that with alignment and some pre-snap motion, but he is capable of scoring the football from anywhere on the football field 
We saw that last year before he took the injury as he was leading the NFL in yards after catch and forced missed tackles. And a lot of that comes from the fact that he is built like an absolute house, like a tree trunk in his lower half. He has impeccable balance, fantastic start-stop ability, and change of direction. It makes him a threat to catch the ball from the backfield, to carry the ball from the backfield. And when I see the Patriots offense last year using Cordell Patterson as a jet sweep guy, as a handoff guy even, I think that Albert Wilson should have a huge role and be one of the X factors on this offense this season. He can become a star in this scheme and this style of play under Chad O'Shea and this Dolphins offense. Now that brings us in to the third guy on the roster. And to me, the guy that has the most ops upside of the entire Dolphins receivers room. He is only five foot eight, as we know that. He has three years of service in the NFL, number 19 from Texas Tech, 26.9 years old on opening day, Jakeem Grant. And he's got one year left on the deal. He's going to make 720000 this year. None of that guaranteed. We know he's the best return man in football, but I think he has budding potential as an outside receiver. And that's why I think he has the most upside because he can dominate from inside in the slot. He can win on the outside, whether it's going vertical or coming back across the formation on drags or slants or screen passes. He's difficult to jam and to reroute because of his quick twitch movement. He has the good release skill set that you look for, and he always commands safety help in coverage. I think the only thing preventing this guy from having a breakout type of a season and earning a substantial new contract are number one, his health. He's coming off an injury like Albert Wilson, who could begin the year on the PUP, but Grant is closer to coming back. But the number two thing has been a lack of opportunity as last year when Albert Wilson goes down, somehow Adam Gase found it reasonable to go with more Danny Amendola and more Devontae Parker and not go towards Jakeem Grant. So he has a big year ahead of him. We'll see if he makes the most out of it. You can find a video up on LockedOnDolphins.com on this article of Jakeem Grant making ridiculous plays in the open field. And that brings us to our fourth guy, Jason Harina at Miami D-Punks on Twitter, our staff editor of LockedOnDolphins.com, has this love-hate relationship with this guy, but he recently wrote an article about how Devontae Parker has a chance to kind of seize the opportunity this year. He signed a team-friendly deal, two years left on that new deal, $10 million total, four and a half guaranteed, essentially a tryout year this year for Devontae Parker, his fifth season in the NFL, all of those in Miami coming from Louisville. He's going to be 26.3 on opening day, so he's still younger than most of the guys on this Dolphins receiver roster, but I think that what Joe Shad said on that podcast a couple of months ago about how Devontae Parker is determined to change the legacy, or lack thereof, that he's left behind in Miami, and there's been those brief glimpses of dominance, the attention that commands coverage his direction. It tantalizes us every single year, but then the inconsistencies show up. He disappears in games or he's ineffective because he's hurt or he's not playing because of some type of injury. He's missed games every year of his career, but if he is somehow capable of staying healthy, getting himself into a position to contribute every single week with a healthy body and a healthy lifestyle and lives up to that first round status, that makes all the difference on this Dolphins offense because I talk about it all the time. I think this receiver's room is full of number two complementary parts. If they had a true dominant number one, a guy they could go to on third downs, a guy that commanded bracket coverage, a guy that had to be accounted for in the end zone down in the red zone plays, then this receiving core goes from, okay, they're okay, they're in the 20 to 25 range in terms of best in the National Football League, and all of a sudden, with Devontae Parker catching 90 balls for 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns, or whatever the requirements are to be a 
standout number one. If Devontae Parker became that guy, this group is all of a sudden top 10. So a big year for Parker, both for himself, for the Dolphins. But the big question is, are they going to come back after one good season and say, okay, suddenly we can trust Devontae Parker. It's a big question mark. We'll see if they can do it. And that brings us to the rest of the group. The open portion of this roster at this position is for that number fifth receiver job. And it's up in the air for everybody else to have a shot at. Bryce Butler is the veteran that gets the first shot, the incumbent. He changed his jersey to number 17 this year. He came from San Diego State. He's 29.3 years old. He has this year on his contract for $805,000. He was a pleasant surprise as an in-season addition last year. His compensation makes him difficult to set free, but can he beat out the next guy in line for that exposition, the backup to Devontae Parker to start the season at least? And that, of course, is going to be Preston Williams, the rookie from Colorado State, and I read some great comments over the weekend from Michael Gallup and from Rashard Higgins and some of the Colorado State coaching staff about how Preston Williams is far and away the most impressive receiver they've had come through there in some time, and we're going to talk about Michael Gallup in the third segment as we preview the Dallas Cowboys, but he says that Preston Williams is far and away the most talented guy on that roster in recent years, and it's because the size, the strength, the skill set. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He's only 22.5 years old. He had some issues bouncing around Tennessee and finding his way over to Colorado State after getting kicked out of school, but he caught 96 passes for 1,345 yards and 14 touchdowns. He fits the prototype for the position. He needs some seasoning and some refinement as a route runner, but he could serve as Miami's hidden gem this offseason and be a guy that wins the fifth receiving job, gets on the roster, and by the time December rolls around, could be one of the top receivers on the roster. I project that he gets that fifth spot and Bryce Butler does not and that the Dolphins only keep five receivers because I think there's going to be more of an emphasis on tight ends and backs in this offense. And that brings us to the rest of the guys competing for jobs, either on the practice squad or if they do keep a sixth receiver. I don't think Isaiah Ford has a great shot because he has injury problems and he's from a previous regime. Of course, we know him from Virginia Tech. He's got one more year left on his deal but an often injured seventh round draft pick of the previous regime. I think he gets cut out. He only had 13 snaps over the last two years and zero on special teams. I don't know where he fits in. I have him as a camp cut. Then we have Reese Horn. He comes over from the AAF. He started with the Titans. He goes to the Colts and then to Memphis Express of the AAF. He has two years on his contract. He's 26.4 years old, but I think that he is possibly an option to be one of those surprise guys, like in this Patriots-style offense, that just finds open holes in the defense and can catch the football and make a living that way. But all things told, I think he comes down to it and he gets cut at the end of training camp. And that brings us to the final guy on the roster, Trenton Irwin, the rookie out of Stanford. He's 23.4 years old, got a three-year undrafted contract out of Stanford. He's a reliable, sure-handed receiver with quality spatial awareness and the ability to win against zone coverage. He fits that New England style we talked about with Chad O'Shea, and he probably brings that to Miami. Not going to win with speed or strength, but he's a master of the fine details, and he has a shot to make the practice squad, and that's where I have him on the practice squad ultimately. 
ultimately. So that gives us Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, and Preston Williams on the opening day roster, and Trenton Irwin as a practice squad member. And this receiver group, I talked about it. Tons of number two receivers with great complementary skill sets. They just need that number one. Can it be Devontae Parker? Can it be Preston Williams? Can Kenny Stills get back? I do think Stills gets back to his quality play he's provided in the past. I'm very excited to see what happens with Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson, both healthy in a new scheme that gives them more responsibility. But all things told, this receiver group has a lot of potential and upside. It's just unrealized. And this is going to be a big year to decide the future of the Dolphins receivers room. And the first step of deciding that future of the receiver room starts in training camp. And I want to talk about my schedule covering training camp here on the podcast real quick. And since there is no practice on Monday, July the 29th, that might be a day off from the podcast just to get you guys aware ahead of time. But I'm going to have two up from that weekend from the practices. So we'll have you guys covered from a material standpoint, from a content standpoint. In fact, the first camp podcast will be on July 25th, sometime in the evening. And that will go on top of the podcast recorded for the morning of July 25th on Thursday. So we'll have two shows that day, then come back Friday evening, do the same on Saturday and Sunday, Monday off, then Tuesday practice, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practices, and then the team scrimmage on Saturday. So we will technically have 10 podcasts in 10 days from the start of training camp through the team scrimmage on August 3rd in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. And in the meantime, we're going to preview Miami's 2019 opponents on the podcast, and we'll come back and get to the week three victim, the Dallas Cowboys, next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Linkville NFL, at Locked On Fins, and a special thank you to Untuck It for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Untuck It makes shirts that are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking, no tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, use promo code code NBA to get 20% off your order with untuckit.com. Jordan Reed on Twitter, one of the great scouts from the Draft Network, had a tweet this morning on Sunday morning, I should say, talking about the offensive line group in next year's draft. And in addition to Wisconsin's Tyler Bayadash, who was thought to potentially be a first-round draft pick this year, he'll be there. But Oklahoma is returning one starter, and he is an absolute beast. Jordan tweeted out that this guy is really the only one that matched up well with Quinn and Williams this past season. And that is, of course, Creed Humphrey. Ed Creed will almost assuredly take his professional team to a higher level on the offensive line. And the reason I bring this up is because yet another position the Dolphins have a huge need at, at least presumably this coming season, also coincides with a great group of first-round prospects in next April's draft quarterbacks, wide receivers, edge, and now the centers that we know about in the first round to possibly take over for Daniel Kilgore or maybe Michael Dieter who could play inside there as well this season. So we have that to look forward to. Let's also go ahead and get back into the 2019 season and focus on a team that has a great offensive line in their own right, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Dolphins and Cowboys play in week number three at Jerry World in Dallas, September 22nd, another one o'clock kickoff Eastern time and the first road game of the Brian Flores era. And that's where I'm really interested to see how this game turns out. 
Gaze and Tannehill in Miami had the worst road woes of any quarterback-coach combination I can think of. We know Tannehill came up short in a lot of those big road games, but Adam Gaze's teams were always flat, unprepared, unable to adjust, and typically got steamrolled in these road games. I think that a good sign, a good measure of the coaching changes could be how this team performs on the road, just at least be competitive because they haven't been for a long time. Now, the Cowboys... Their offseason was rather uneventful. They added Randall Cobb. Jason Witten came out of the booth. Thank God for that. They got Robert Quinn, the former Dolphin, in a trade. Christian Covington and George Iloka. Not a lot to write home about there. They did lose Cole Beasley, an integral part of that offense. Terrence Williams is gone. David Irving retired at age 26. And a handful of other not-that-big names that are off the football team this season. Their first pick didn't come until number 59, where they took UCF defensive tackle. Tristan Hill. But let's go ahead and get into what this football team is all about under Jason Garrett. Garrett is back yet again, and I think most Dallas fans are a tad sour about that. We'll talk more about the reason they are sour and why they should be sour here in just a minute. They go and sign Kellen Moore, or promote Kellen Moore, I should say, to be the offensive coordinator. I think he's an upgrade at that position. He was a coach's kid in high school here in Prosser, Washington, Central Washington, about 20 minutes from where I live, and he's a very astute, apt kid that should get the most out of that Cowboys offense. They've got Mark Colombo, remember him? Hudson Hawk, remember him? Both those guys coach the offensive line, and that's where the quality of this football team starts up front with Tyron Smith, Connor Williams, or Xavier Suofilo. Travis Frederick is back, and that's great to hear. On the right side, Zach Martin and Lyle Collins. They want to run the football with an elite running back in Ezekiel Elliott, and everything they do is funneled through that running back. Zeke, a special talent, and will have Miami's hands full all game long, both with the power run game and the screen game. The reason they didn't have a first-round pick was because of the addition to their offense that basically made all the difference last season. Amari Cooper, he's back, and a full offseason should make him even more dangerous in year number two. And then, of course, we have to talk about the quarterback, Dak Prescott. I think Dak is better than most give him credit for. He's got the spatial awareness, the accuracy, the off-script acumen, the scramble ability. I think he could have his best season this year since his rookie season, especially when you factor in Michael Gallup, the Colorado State receiver in year number two. He is absolutely fantastic and smart, a heady player who catches damn near everything. And then there's that defense, which might be the best in the National Football League, and it's directed by two of the best coaches in the NFL with Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard. That linebacker duo of Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, that's the best linebacking duo in football, bar none. The issue for the Cowboys will be pressure. Can they get Taco Charlton up to speed? Will Tristan Hill have an immediate impact inside? And of course, Demarcus Lawrence is there, an absolute nightmare, but he could be negated by some Laramie Tunzel action at left tackle out there. On the back end, I'm a huge fan of Cheeto Awuzie, the Colorado product. Byron Jones is terrific. Jordan Lewis is a pretty good slot corner. They lack depth in that secondary, but they are good on the surface level. The biggest concern that I have with this Cowboys team as far as how they match up against Miami is that ground game and that offensive line. I just don't see how the Dolphins find an answer along with being able to match up in coverage against those receivers. There was a Patriots and Chiefs AFC Championship re-air on the other day, and I watched that with some great notes. They do a great job of committing bodies into gaps to plug those gaps, and that requires great man coverage from the safeties, and I just don't think Miami is there yet. We'll get back to that here in a minute. 
The Dolphins could exploit the Cowboys' lack of depth and attack vertically in their own right. I think the Dolphins will try to have will have to try to adapt their style in this game because the ground and pound version in Dallas is not going to fly against this team. Trying to find Stills and Grant and Wilson in space and getting those linebackers stretched out laterally that would help keep them at bay and keep Demarcus Lawrence guessing in regards to what his role is on that defense. Some interesting facts about the Cowboys here from the Warren Sharp 2019 NFL Preview Mag. The Cowboys won nine games last year by single digits, one of ten teams in NFL history to accomplish that. From week 10 through 17, after the Mario Cooper trade, basically, the Cowboys were outscored in the third quarter 37 to 10, so they struggle to make in-game adjustments, an area that Miami could exploit if we are to believe this coaching staff is much improved over the previous one. And Sharp continues on with these first half to third quarter adjustment rates, which are pretty even across the board. Teams keyed in on the Cowboys running game and sniffed it out and made Dallas one-dimensional and ineffective as a result. And they're gonna have to that's gonna have to be the blueprint for the Dolphins to find success from the start of this game before the third quarter gets here. And this all stems from that conservative nature of Jason Garrett and first down conservative calls. The first down pass rate dipped from 48% in the first half to 41% in the third quarter. And the first down run success rate went from 47% down to 38%. You become more predictable. You become less successful. The Cowboys offensive line went from 15th in pass blocking efficiency down to 28th from 2017 to 2018. I expect that number to return to its original ranking if not much better. And this last one, a crazy stat, the only player with a higher red zone carry success rate than Dak Prescott, and this is quarterback designed runs, and this is out of 150 qualifying players with at least 10 red zone carries, was Derrick Henry, who was a 72% success rate. Dak Prescott was 71% success rate on red zone runs, a crazy rate for a quarterback. I don't think Miami finds a win in this game, but I do think they'll show some fight to keep it close into the fourth quarter. Dallas has the star power that eventually takes over to give the Cowboys that win. But I think we'll come out of this game with something of a moral victory. I know those are cuss words around here and something to build off of something that almost never happened in road games under Adam Gase. Okay, and with that, I'm going to get out of here for this podcast. I did have a chance to study that AFC Championship game over the weekend, so I'm going to come back on tomorrow's show with some notes from that game and how we can apply those Patriots schemes and concepts to the Dolphins this season. But before we get out of here today, I want to tell you guys about Grip6 and their ultra-lightweight belts with no holes and no flap. A great gift for the man or woman in your life. Go to Grip6.com. They have a special offer for you right now. It's Grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E, grip6.com slash lock. And all of you, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.